Thank you for traveling with Amex Platinum. To your right, you'll see Oceanside Relaxation at a fine hotel and resort property. When booked through Amex Travel, you can enjoy complimentary breakfast for 2 and 4 p.m. late checkout. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. There's a lot happening these days, but I have just the thing to get you up to speed on what matters without taking too much of your time. The 7 from the Washington Post is a podcast that gives you the seven most important and interesting stories, and we always try to save room for something fun. You get it all in about seven minutes or less. I'm Hannah Jewell. I'll get you caught up with The 7 every weekday. So follow The 7 right now. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste, or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products, because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Hello! And welcome to the MMQB Podcast. I'm Conroe Albert Breers here. Kadarius Tony is still offsides. <laughs> and nothing can change that, but for some reason we like to talk about that. This is one of those ridiculous... We're going to start right there because uh, we're, we're just going to yeah. get right into it. This is one of these ridiculous NFL moments where... I'm happy. Um, I'm happy for Kadarius Tony because he seems to have the unwavering support of everybody, his teammates uh, and his coach. But he was so offsides. If you look at the all 22 when it came out, he is a foot above the ball. There is teaching tape that's sent out every week specifically about this the last few weeks. They've called Mm -hmm. it 12 times, twice against the Packers. This is not an unknown thing, and it's not the ref's job every play to be like, hey, buddy, you're a foot ahead of the ball. Like, what are we we arguing about? So you know like how, I mean, we've all seen it, where the guy who's, the, the receiver who's on the line points to the official, right? Right. And then he gets the thumbs up from the official. So, like, last night I was having a conversation with our NFL editor, John Plume, and I mentioned to him, and we were talking about the play and uh, where it was going to go in my column and all of that, and um, I brought up to him that we taught the third graders to do that <laughs> this year in the when I was coaching youth football, and he was like, you should put that in. Because <laughs> like, we actually, believe it or not, Connor, we got a touchdown called back for, for that this year. <laughs> for, for, they're calling offensive neutral zone infractions in third grade football. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it was like these kids don't know how to line up, but our receiver was way off the ball. And when you looked at it, like we're the huddle tape, you know? So like when you looked at it, like, yeah, the kid was two yards. The kid was two yards behind the line of scrimmage. So we had an extra guy in the back. Now this is the opposite of that, right? Because this is like when you don't have enough guys in the line of scrimmage, for people who don't know the rule, you have to have, seven guys in the line of scrimmage. So if you have one, if you have, if you have um, one of your receivers off the ball, that shouldn't be off the ball, then you've got too many men in the backfield. So anyway, so we taught the kids to point to the official and get the thumbs up the way NFL. And I actually said to them, you know, you've seen NFL players do this. You've seen college players do this, right? It's like, it looks pretty cool when they point over at the official and get the thumbs up, right? Do that. You know? And (laughs) I just, I mean, it's so rare that Andy Reid goes in on something like this. I don't understand why this is it. And Mahomes, like, 
why he went just absolutely nuclear over this. Like as a guy who doesn't really do that very much, um, I, that was the part that was like really hard for me to wrap my head around. Is like, why was this the one that sent them over the edge? Because this actually happened to them before. You know that, right? Right. D Ford. Right. <laughs> D Ford cost them like something similar to this cost them maybe a third championship, right? Yeah. Like they would have three championships now and Tom Brady would have five. So if D Ford had lined up on side, there's a good chance Patrick Mahomes would now only be two rings behind Tom Brady. So this actually happened to them four years ago, I think, or no, five years ago, right? So it would have been the 18 season where D Ford lines up off sides. And I believe they picked the ball off on that play. Is that right? Yes, I think so. And it would have, yeah. and it would have sealed the AFC championship and they would have gone to the Super Bowl. And I think they probably would have beaten the Rams. So, you know, I just I I don't know why this has become the cause that is sending them all into the stratos the stratosphere of anger. You know, like I just don't get it. And um, above all else, it's like <laughs> sort of what you signed up for with Kadarius Tony, isn't it? <laughs> right. Well, okay. So <laughs> I, I have a theory as like to if why. You could, if you could pick one guy on that offense who would be guilty of this, who would it be? <laughs> right. Yeah. <Kadarius> Tony. <laughs> so I have a theory as to why the Chiefs are acting the way that they are. But first, did you catch – so, you know, Patrick Mahomes is going to get fined for this, but he goes to midfield to shake hands with Josh Allen, and the whole time he's like, offensive offsides, you effing kidding me? And then he's like, oh, good game, Josh Allen. And then Josh is like, yeah, good game. And then he's just like, yeah, can you believe that call? What a bunch of BS. And Josh Allen is just like, uh, uh, yeah, I can believe that. <laughs> like, you know, <laughs> the look on his face is like, I'm not going to feel bad for you. We be just beat you guys. Uh, but yeah. I, I think – um. Do you ever get really mad at your wife or your Well, kids? because and here's the other thing is like, it wasn't, I mean, the other part of it, they still had an opportunity to do something about it. Right. Like, yes, it took a touchdown off the board, a really but they cool still touchdown. had, but they still had an opera, a really, really cool. Like, and we can talk about that in a minute too. Like that was one of the coolest plays I've ever seen, but yeah. I mean, underrated how good that freaking throw was from Travis Kelsey. Ridiculous. <laughs> that was a that was a freaking rope mm-hmm. like to, to Kadarius Tony, like with a guy in his face. But they they it's not like they didn't have a chance to clean it up on their own. They were in second and 15. Like that's not the end of the world. And they didn't even need a touchdown. They could have kicked a field goal and forced overtime. So like I I don't know. It just seems like it's so against what we've seen the chiefs to be over the last few years it just it makes no sense why they're this angry over it to me it makes perfect sense because have you ever been do you have a dog yeah okay have you ever been really mad at your kids or really mad at your wife or really mad at your parents and then you turn around and you're walking down the hallway and the dog just decides to like get under your feet and trips you and then all that anger comes out on the dog you know what i mean and the dog's like dude you know um and I think in that case, this is the official because, you know, okay. Poor Rover. Look, yeah. So I looked this up before the game, and what Kadarius Tony did was not a drop. But going into last night's game, the Chiefs led the league with 25 dropped passes. Yeah. By contrast, San Francisco was last with five. The 49ers the have only dropped five passes. The whole year. The whole season. That's unbelievable. Bonkers. Um, and you could say, I, I think that you could make the case for the Chiefs 
directly losing before last night two games due to wide receiver mistakes. The season opener against yep. Detroit, Kadarius Tony bobbles the ball, gets pick sixth in the third quarter, and the game gets away from them. And then you have Marquez uh, Valdez Scantling dropping that ball in the end zone against the Eagles, yep. and then that next play. Um, Watson dropping the uh, the fourth and fifteen that uh, Mahomes put right in his arms and it went right through his hands and that was slight higher degree of difficulty but still a drop nonetheless ruled a drop and yep. then I don't know if you want to you know Sky Moore in the corner of the end zone against the Broncos that was I think it was like twenty one to nine at that point yeah. would have put the Chiefs right back into it so two and a half to maybe three games where you can say the wide receivers directly contributed to the failure of this. And I know that we've been pretty patient with the Chiefs. I understand the theory behind Patrick Mahomes has got to break in cheap receivers. He's got to break them in. He's got to do this. Yep. He's got to make it work. We, we've we sort of reached a crisis point to me where it's like, okay, Kadarius Tony can't – you can't go into the playoffs – and put that guy on the field in a critical like third and five. You can mm -hmm. with the season on the line, and it's now week thirteen. So we know and that the guy already. is the guy has shown us in so many different ways what a knucklehead he is. And this goes back to like was the the DMs with the Giants fans or whatever. Yeah, like the guy the, like at some point when a guy shows you a lack of judgment in so many different situations, you can't be surprised when it stings you. And you can't be surprised when it happens in the most important spot. And you can't be surprised when what you acquired winds up being what it was when you acquired it. And that's exactly what this is. Like, and so like that's the problem with a guy like Kadarius Tony. And I've always felt this way. And I think it's a really interesting part of like team building. Is the problem with a player like Kadarius Tony is he's so talented that his talent basically demands that he be on the field, right? And, yeah. be, and that he be and that he's on the field a lot and that you're going to him in critical spots. The problem with that is now you're becoming reliant on an unreliable person. And you come become reliant on an unreliable person and things like this wind up happening in key spots. And um you know I I just think it's like it's an interesting nuance the way you put a team together, but I think it does count. Like I look at the Eagles, right? Do you have any doubt that Jalen Hurts or A.J. Brown or Devontae Smith are going to do the right thing? No. I look at the I look at the, the Bengals when they're full throttle. Do you have any doubt that Joe Burrow or T. Higgins or Jamar Chase are going to do the right thing? No. 49ers, Cowboys. 49ers. You, can go, you can go through yeah. the list. Kittle, you know? McCaffrey, Ayuk. Yeah. Obviously, Debo, like you don't have any doubt that those guys are going to do the right thing, right? More often than not, not all the time because everybody, no one's perfect, but nine times out of 10, like you're going to be able to rely on those people. And the Chiefs are relying on unreliable people. And that's the problem. And whether it's because of age or discipline, whatever it is, they're relying on people who are unreliable. This is one of the reasons why, I mean, honestly, like this is one of the, we've compared the Chiefs to the Patriots a lot, right? The old Patriots. This is one of the reasons why belt, but it was so hard for rookie receivers um, and rookie skill players in general to ever make it in New England is because it was hard for them to earn Brady's trust, you know? And I think what you're seeing here is an elite quarterback trying to get to the point where he can trust guys and like watching that happen in real time where 
a guy like Mahomes, his expectations are way, way, way up here, right? Like way up here. And he's expecting to win a championship every single year, which he should, because that's how great he is. And he's holding people who maybe aren't ready to be aren't ready to be held to that standard or will never be ready to be held to that standard to that standard. And I think think you see that friction there. What like, happens in I, the Super Bowl when it's just like it, you you bring up the Patriots, right? And so yeah. le, the 2011 Super Bowl, where the Patriots lost to the Giants, Rob Gronkowski had two catches. What happens when that happens in the Super Bowl this year? Because I mean, the AFC, like the Chiefs, the Chiefs can walk into the playoffs here and still make it. Like all mm-hmm. the other quarterbacks are gone; they're going to the Super Bowl, um, or they have a very good chance of going to the Super Bowl. What happens when the same thing that happened on Sunday afternoon happens? What happens when Travis Kelsey gets, and I know you can't double Travis Kelsey, and Travis Kelsey is special because he understands right. leverage and how to get other guys open, all that stuff. What happens if it doesn't matter? Well, here's what happens. Here's what happens. What happens is the 2006 AFC Championship game, if we want to keep this metaphor going, which was mm. the Patriots got up on Peyton Manning I think it was, God, it was like, I mean, it was like 31, whatever it was. They were up by a ton in that AFC title game. You remember that was in the old Hoosier Dome, right? Yep. And the Colts come roaring back, and the Patriots have a chance to put the game away at the end. And Tom Brady throws the ball to Rache Caldwell, and he drops it. And he had a first down wide open that would have ended the game. And... That situation, I can remember that. Brady had carried that team all year. The defense was aging. The offense around him wasn't very good. They let Deion Branch go. They traded David Gibbons. And, like, he just – he had to do too much. And I think that that's maybe – you wonder if that's where we are with Mahomes. And if you want to look at the reaction the Patriots the next year, they go and they trade for Randy Moss, trade for Wes Welker, sign Dante Stallworth. I mean, so, like, is that the – is that – is that the is that like the roadmap for how this is all going to play out? Like something really bad is going to happen in the playoffs where they're going to lose to three by three points because of one of these things. And then the reaction is going to be we're going to go nuts and put everyone around Mahomes next year. My thing is, why couldn't you have? And, and again, I, I, I will say it again. I understand I understand the Chiefs attempting this because it's good in theory. I mean, Patrick Mahomes was working out with Rashi Rice before Rashi Rice was even a member of yeah. the Chiefs. He knew how good this guy was going to be. Um, and I think Rashi Rice has probably developed faster or on – he's on schedule. Yeah, Next he's year, where he should be. Rice like, is, Rashi yeah. Rice is like I, – I would have very high hopes for, the, for Rashi Rice if I was the Chiefs. 100%. But other than that, like you juxtapose what the Chiefs are going through with Mahomes, where it's like, well, Mahomes is really great and he makes a lot of money. And so he kind of has to be the rising tide that lifts all boats. Whereas you look in the NFC and you look at the 49ers and you look at the Eagles, and every time this this these franchises get a gasp at competitiveness, they like chokehold it. And they're like, We need every player possible. We need all the good players in the world. How do you, you know, if you're the Chiefs, how do you reconcile that? Because it's like, okay, well, maybe we didn't get it this year, but we got Patrick Mahomes for another 10 years. You don't know that. Yeah. Nobody knows anything. And yeah, I... why are we wasting the middle of Patrick Mahomes' athletic prime? Because I'll tell you this, he's going to age, he's going to be a great quarterback for as long as he wants to be. But 
there's going to be an adjustment period in Patrick Mahomes' life, just like there was in Russell Wilson's life, just like there yeah. was in a lot of these I, guys' lives, where he's going to not play as well as he did because he's not going to be as mobile. That's just uh, a fact. Okay, I'm going to defend the Chiefs here um, for a second. Do it. The, the Niners have Brock Purdy on a rookie contract. The Eagles are just coming off of Jalen Hurts' rookie contract, and we know for the first year or two, because of all the different cap tricks, for the first year or two, maybe you don't really feel that as much, right? Right. And then the bigger numbers come due, and you have to change the way you build the team. So I think out of fairness to the Chiefs here, their team building has had to go a little differently. They're at a different stage of team building than the Niners or Eagles are based on where their quarterback is. I I also think there's a piece of this that where I, I don't think you can be all things, right? Like if you've got a quarterback on a contract that big, I don't think you can be everything. Right. And you're going to have to rely on cheap young talent somewhere. And again, like if you want to go back in the history of this, you can do the Colts thing or the Patriots thing. The Colts thing from the Peyton Manning era was to load up your offense and pay Dallas Clark and pay Reggie Wayne and pay Marvin Harrison and pay Edger and James and draft Joseph Adai in the first round and pay Tari Glenn and then just pay in spots on defense and build a defense that's built to play with a lead, right? And just say, we're going to outscore everybody. The other way to do it is to say, we're going to invest in everything but the quarterbacks, what's around the quarterback. So we're going to invest in the defense. We're going to invest in the offensive line. And we're going to make and we're going to gamble that what we have in our quarterback is going to make it work with with the receivers, with the running backs, with the tight ends. And it's two different ways to do it. Um, I think it feels like the Chiefs have really chosen the New England path and not the Indianapolis path, if that makes sense, in that they're saying we're going to invest in the offensive line so we can limit the damage on the quarterback. And we're going to invest on defense. And you look at it like their defense is really good now. Yeah, you know, like this is this this is probably the best defense that Patrick Mahomes has played with. So on one end, you see Trent McDuffie and Legarius Sneed and George Karloftis and obviously Chris Jones and Nick Bolton and I like that's a de- it's a championship defense, right? So on one hand, you're saying Patrick, you don't need to score 45 points every week anymore. But on the other hand, are you getting the most out of Patrick Mahomes? Right. You're, and that's you're also the saying con- you can't score 45 points. Yeah. And so, that's, so, so that's like the conundrum. You know what I mean? Like, that's the thing about it is like, I do feel like to some degree, you have to pick your spots where it's like, all right, like in this one area, we're going to invest high draft picks and money and we're going to get really good to complement our quarterback. And then in this other area, we're going to have to make it work. And like the Peyton Manning Colts decision was, we're going to go a little cheaper on defense because we, and then we're going to ask Peyton to outscore everybody where the new England model was, we're going to try to be really good on defense. And then we're going to ask Brady to make it work with what he's got around it. Yeah. Well, I don't know. I mean, I think it's also just frustrating. And we got a real big picture here, but the bottom line is like, I do think like there's still a path for them to figure this all out. And it just might look a little different than it has in the past, you know? It might look a little different, but can you? I mean, imagine... do you have to like lean into Isaiah Pacheco a little bit more? Can you imagine the full scale outrage if one of these guys drops a critical ball 
in the playoffs mm-hmm. or one of these guys false starts, something like that. Like, I, it even goes back to me to like, why wouldn't you have like the Eagles grabbed Julio Jones, right? For no reason. Just to, I mean, they don't really use him. They just have him, you know, like he was a collector's item. <laughs> yeah. Just like, oh, yeah. I mean, but why wouldn't you just have that guy in there and just be like, hey, guys, this is how he works. Let's watch Julio Jones. Let's watch right. him practice. Let's yeah. watch him run routes. Let's have him have special time where he's kind of an extra coach for you guys so mm-hmm. you can see how all this stuff works. I just I feel like there was no thought or there was or we kind of overthought it, whatever it is. Well, so here's the question then. How about this? Like, would you right go now, get Kenny Galladay? Maybe would you right now take Donovan Smith off the Chiefs roster in exchange for DeAndre Hopkins? Because I think that's really the trade. Mm. That's what it was. It's easy for me to say yes right now. Because then Jawan Taylor, who's had trouble on right tackle some this year, right, would be your left tackle. And you probably have, I don't know who it would be. Would it be, um, what's his face? He was from TCU. The guy who, I'm going to look it up now. Uh, but, you know, like the guy, guy who started some for them at right tackle. Um, and God, his name's escaping me. But, like, would you, oh, Lucas Niang. Like, so mm-hmm. you probably have Lucas Niang at right tackle, right? who really struggled last year, and then Jawan Taylor at left tackle. Would you rather have that with DeAndre Hopkins or what you have now at receiver with Donovan Smith and Jawan Taylor at tackle? <sighs> it's, I mean, it's tough, right? Because we're in a situation where right now it's leaning toward – it's leaning in one direction because there have been a lot of high-profile high mistakes. And, yeah. you know, and, and we don't know. And I mean, the Chiefs did – they took a swing at an offensive tackle in the third round of the draft – and there really wasn't it where based on where they were drafting there wasn't a guy that they could have gotten instead of you know bolstering the edge made sense with where the chiefs were picking 31 like that all all that stuff made sense um so i i mean it's hard to argue situationally given the breadth of the big picture but i mean i i'm just saying they they they're going to have to prepare for the the in, not the inevitability but the possibility that this thing comes continues to come back and bite them but like i don't know how much worse it already can i mean it's it's costing you games it probably costs you the number one seed in the division yeah already yeah. right yeah. yeah and i think it's i mean in the conference you mean not the division or the, yeah yeah conference yeah, yeah. maybe <laughs> yeah. the division the broncos are maybe going the broncos nuts are right a game bad the broncos are a game back so my God. i mean I, I don't think it's i don't think it's impossible do the broncos have a tiebreaker uh, they I would have to look that up. Do they have, if they have the tiebreaker, then I mean, we're talking about real trouble, then, right? That would be incredible if the Broncos won that division. NFL would just melt down. How cool was that play, though? <laughs> uh, that was um, so. It was interesting when um, I remember the Chiefs when, right uh, now have the tiebreaker. So Kevin Kelly, the coach, the high school coach, you never. Oh, you know what? They have the tiebreaker. They have the tiebreaker because. Jimmy Garoppolo and the Raiders beat them in the beat the Broncos in the opener. Ah, it all comes back. There to you have it. There you have it. Um, you know the, the high school the, coach who never punts. You know what I'm talking about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. the guy Kevin in Kelly. Arkansas, Arkansas, I think, right? He was, yeah, yeah. yeah. And then he went to go coach in college, and I don't yeah. know what he's doing now. Um, but he, I remember at the time when everyone was talking about him, and when he had his kind of big moment in the sun, he said the next evolution 
in the game is going to be rugby style laterals. He's like in the team that is able to figure that out is going to change the way that we play football. Now, that's very easy to say. It's impossible to do. We saw the Patriots game last year when, what was it, Jacoby Myers fired that. I, I have such a stupid anecdote for this one. I don't even know if I want to share it. All right. Well, so, but <laughs> I, I'm just saying, if you have if you have a player like Kelsey, like, God, would that, that be throw an effective was weapon? It was so good. And Kelsey was a high school quarterback. He was a college quarterback until yeah. he got kicked off the team, re- came back on the team as a tight but just end. Just the way he snapped his wrist and the – Bill's guy came flash right in his face and it didn't affect him. Um, all right. My dumb anecdote is um, so um, in our, uh, in our fraternity league in college, like we won our fraternity league. And so just sprint football or full pads. This was, this was like, this was just like uh, whatever flat, a flag, football, flag, right. Okay. Flag football. league, Yeah. So we went our fraternity flag league. And so we decided that we're going to enter a team into the Nike league which is like, I guess, was really serious. So we get out there, and it doesn't resemble football. Like, you know, like the flag football like looks like a sem- some semblance of actual football, right? Like, yes. It looks sort of like seven on seven. I'm telling you what they were doing in this Nike League. We got blown off the field. <laughs> it, it, like, it was just like they, 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 they snapped the ball to the quarterback. He flips it to somebody else, flips it to somebody else, throws it over the tuck. Everything was laterals like that. Wow. So – I mean, like that's my that's my dumb anecdote, but it really worked. That's for sure. We had no idea what to do with it. What position did you play? I played a little quarterback actually in that fraternity league. I played a uh, little. I was I, I I did a little pass rushing if I remember right. So and uh, yeah, we switched out a little bit. So um, I played a little quarterback, a little receiver. I was never fast enough to to be one of the guys out wide, but I, I'd be like. Kind of like you know, like I'm one of those inside positions in uh in, in flags. So you were like, uh, I have the, I have uh, decent height. I have decent height, so like that would uh, I could use that inside. What was the big uh, the big white guy's name? Oh gosh, the Jacksonville Jaguars drafted him in the first round. The wide receiver, remember he was a uh, oh, quarterback. Uh, Matt Jones. And, Matt Jones. Yeah, remember he was a quarterback, and then all of yeah. a sudden everyone was like, oh my god, he had all kinds of issues. Yeah, but he ran like wasn't he like he was like six six two forty. And ran. I I want to say the combine could look this up. I'm sure, but I, I want to say he ran like four three four something wild at the combine. Like he was like, he, see if you can find it. I'm looking at the. Uh... I mean, it, you look at his his combine. He's one of these guys. His combine numbers look fake. Man, I was so excited about Matt Jones. So here you God, go. He's that 40 David Garrard throwing it to him. He's 40 years old now, by the way. Okay, so at the combine, he came in at six foot, 6.3 inches, 242 pounds, and he ran the 40 and 438. Good God. (laughs) Yeah. Man, Uh, oh, man. So, and he would have been class of. Yeah. So, anyway, I I wonder if a guy like that, I bet a guy like that, like, they would have figured out something to do with him in this day and age. Right. For sure. Like, I don't like, I, I don't know. Like, I, I just feel like, so, I mean, he had other problems too. So it's not like he, well, he did have a, well, shoot 65 catch. I remember he had like one really year. good season. He had a couple of good years. Like he had a, his second year in the league over 600 yards, his fourth year in the league over 700 yards. And then, and then he got in trouble. Yeah. 
And then all the trouble came with the drug tests and the, all that different stuff. You so. were you were a cross between Matt Jones and Jeff Samarja. Maybe a little. Uh, who am I thinking of now? Joe 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 Vicious mixed in. Well, Joe Vicious. There's your Big Ten tie-in. Joe Joe Vicious. Of course I do. Um, all right, Joe 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 Vicious and uh, who's the other one you mentioned? Uh, Joe Vicious and Matt, uh, Jeff Samarja. Jeff Samarja were like the sons of uh, Ed McCaffrey. Is is Jeff Samarja still in baseball? I remember like all the comparisons of how much he was making versus like what he would have made in football. And he was like an average baseball player, right? He wound up making like a hundred million dollars, didn't he? I think he did pretty well for himself. He's he's out of baseball. Um yeah, he played for the Giants. Yeah, he was Brady Quinn's number one target, right? Yeah. He and Brady Quinn was... were the that, that that was the uh that was the connection back in the day. Man. The shark. That was good times. Um he played for the Cubs, the A's, the White Sox. The Cubs drafted him, if I remember right, right? The Cubs drafted him. And then the yeah. A's paid him, maybe? I can't remember. It was something like that. <laughs> this now concludes our history lesson on medium-speed um, white uh, wide receivers. On <laughs> <laughs> tall white receivers. <laughs> tall, tall uh, middle-speed in the Ohio receivers. State 2001 fraternity league, and <laughs> the Ohio State 2001 fraternity, and, league. and, and what how... ha- and what happened to his champion in, in, in the Central Ohio Nike League? <laughs> uh-huh. But seriously, like, I, I I do remember like that that like that level of flag football where it's like they're not even those people weren't even really into football. It was like a bunch of like soccer players running around out there with the football, you know, like so they don't care about like it looking like a football play would do all this different stuff that like, again, it didn't resemble football at all, but it all freaking worked. So you do wonder if like maybe some of that stuff like is what you're talking about, where maybe it would translate. You know what I mean? Yeah. If you have somebody who's thinking that far outside the box, wasn't that coach? He was a Hunter Henry's high school coach, right? Yes. That's right. Right. Okay. Um, And I would argue should probably just be like the Jets offensive coordinator. There's a lot happening these days. But I have just the thing to get you up to speed on what matters, without taking too much of your time. The 7 from the Washington Post is a podcast that gives you the seven most important and interesting stories, and we always try to save room for something fun. You get it all in about seven minutes or less. I'm Hannah Jewell. I'll get you caught up with The 7 every weekday. So follow The 7 right now. There are some things that are too good to keep a secret. Like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. What's up? I'm John Wall. And I'm CJ Toledano, and we're starting a new podcast presented by DraftKings called Point Game. We're now joined by three-time NBA Sixth Man of the Year, elite bucket getter. Let's please welcome Jamal Crawford to Point Game, King of the Court one-on-one tournament. If they had it back in your prime, do you think you could have took it all? I'm going to be honest with you. I don't think I could have took it all, but I think I would have shocked a lot of people. I think Kobe and everybody in their prime, Kobe would win a one-on-one contest. 
Yeah, I, yeah, because you got to think. Love he's going to guard. He don't care about guarding. He's going to guard. He's going to exactly. guard. Like, you see him in the Olympics, he's going to guard. And then on I'm top of that. like that, see that? Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Sam Cassell to Point Game. I remember you came out from crying tears. <laughs> crying tears. I mean, he was in a culture shock. He's, he's going to withdraw us about winning. Remember what I told you? I said, I said, OG, you think I can get paid and go back and play in college because they ain't it. <laughs> Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. Eagles, Cowboys, I feel like if we had to say that this was the second biggest deal, and we'll get to the Ravens next, but I, you and I talked about this uh, last week where the chance for an emotional letdown was always there. I am refusing to freak out about the Eagles right now, and I know that the Eagles will freak out about the Eagles and Philadelphia will be somewhat concerned, but you're running into Dak Prescott playing about as well as he's played in his entire career. You're running into a really good Cowboys defense that's finally kind of refound its footing and its structure again. And you're you're going through your losing streak. The 49ers went through their losing streak. The Cowboys lost to the Cardinals. I mean, there there are going to be weeks when this happens. And, you know, if this is the worst that the Eagles have to offer us, I, I really don't think it's that bad. Yeah, I, I think that the Eagles will be fine and they'll get I mean, if they went out, they still won the East. So they, I, I know they, that is one tiebreaker. I do know, I do know the Eagles have that tiebreaker on the Cowboys. And so, um, you know, I think that this can be good for a team that they get knocked down a little bit and it forces them to look a little harder at some of their weaknesses. And, um, you know, certainly like defensively, they haven't played great the last couple of weeks, um, you know, in the way that both Brock Purdy and, and Dak Prescott have played against them. I, my big takeaway from this one, Connor, I, Look, I think Dak Prescott's the MVP of the league. It's looking I like think it. He, I think he's doing more. I I think he's do. I think he's a, a better. And I I I actually think so. Like I think the way the Dallas season's played out, and the way the Chargers season play has played out, really reflects well on Mike McCarthy. For and, sure. You know, you remember like how there were these big picture questions in the summer, like. How's Dak Prescott going to react to not having Kellen Moore anymore? And then Dak threw all of those interceptions in training camp, and everybody was like, what's wrong with Dak? And I remember sitting with McCarthy in his office in California um, talking about this, and his whole thing was, like, we don't think Dak, and Dak doesn't think he has played well enough off schedule. So we want him to try stuff in camp, and we want him – to be playing off schedule and as best we can, and it's hard in a practice setting, but as best we can, we want him in scramble situations and we want him to see what works and see what doesn't work. And he's gotten so much better in those areas. And it's a simple thing, you know, and it's the type of thing that's never going to, sh- it's never going to make a coach look like a genius because in those sorts of situations, that looks like it's all the player. Right. But like the reality of it is it's something that Mike McCarthy who's coached that position for a long time and goes all the way back to having worked with Joe Montana in Kansas city, looked at it and said, this is an area where a really good quarterback can get better. And Dak embraced it. And Dak didn't care what people said about him in camp. He didn't lose confidence when he made mistakes in camp and they were able to work through it. And I think you've got a much better player now. Like you've got a guy who, I mean, like, I do think to some degree, like, I I had this take, like, last year where I was like, 
I think Dak sort of like evolved into Kirk Cousins, you know, like where he's like this quarterback that he's really good. But if you knock him off, if if if, if he's got to go outside of the, the the parameters of the offense, he struggles a little bit. And he's not like as much as a, of a creator as maybe you'd like him to be. And the, like Dak's flipped that completely now, you know, and he looks like a playmaker out there. And so, like, I think, you know, this isn't the best skill group Dak's had around him. It's not, you know, like he doesn't yeah, like Tony Pollard's a good back, but he's not like the sort of like three down back that Zeke Elliott was. CeeDee Lamb is excellent. But it's not like they've got like incredible depth around him. Brandon Cooks is good, not what he was. Michael Gallup's a nice piece. Like Ferguson's a good young tight end. I just think like Dak is a bigger part of the equation in Dallas than he's ever been before in what he brings to the team. And the Cowboys seem like they're better for it. Have will would the Chiefs have lost a game? It with Dak Prescott's skill position players this year. <laughs> See, now you're flipping it on me. Um, I'm just kidding. I'm just, I'm just curious. I'm not like, I'm not. I'm, that's I'm, an interesting question because you'd be talking about, but so CD Lamb is way better than any of the Chiefs receivers, right? And is, if we're being Brandon real about Cooks? it, like Brandon Cooks probably, <laughs> probably, yeah. <laughs> but Travis Kelsey's a lot better than mm. Jake, Ferguson, Jake Ferguson, right? Yeah. And so. Pacheco, would you take Pacheco and Edwards Alaire and mm. McKinnon over Tony Pollard in that group? It's a good question. So, I mean, it, it and then Dallas probably has a better line, right? So yes. you give Dallas the, the, the edge on the line. Um, yeah, I mean, I think the Chiefs would probably have another win or two. I don't think they'd be undefeated, but I think they have another win or two. Uh, on the flip side, uh, so you're saying like the Mahomes thing then it's like the old Jordan thing where he could be MVP any year and like you just sort of have to pick the year that you're going to give it to him. Yeah, but I, I I'm with you. I do think that it, there's no doubt that Prescott has has evolved. There's no doubt that he looks different. Um, he looks more comfortable. He is far more confident. I mean, you saw that a lot, especially I thought in the uh, in the first half against the Eagles, where mm-hmm. even, I, I think on some drops and on some overthrows, really, where he was he was letting it rip in situations that I think he probably would have stuttered and probably tried to bail out on. And he he's not he's not taking his foot off the gas anymore. I mean, this Cowboys team is on you, um, and it sort of mimics the defense to the point where. The one reason I would think that this team could be effective as a Super Bowl contender is there's a world where they get up on you 17 points in the first six minutes of a game. You know, that you know they they get a pick six, they score right away, and then they have a long drive for a field goal, and then you just can't come back from that. There's nothing else that you can do, and I think that their ability to get on you now and Dak playing that complimentary football is certainly valuable. On the flip side, I don't really know, you know. I think Hertz is struggling a bit, and if I think if you would have asked people last year in Philadelphia what they did really well, it was that they set up defenses to look the way that Jalen wanted them to look and needed them to look yep. before the snap. I get the sense that that is not happening as much. I mean, this offense is not as good as it was a year ago, right. and I do think some of that personal touch, maybe some of that 
whatever you want to call it, TLC that you had with Shane Steichen, Shane Steichen is gone, yeah. you know, and, um, and, and they have to overcome that. And part of that is, Hey, Jalen, we paid you too. And you, you know how to do this. You know, your coach did it. Now you do it, you know? And- well, it's like so much of it. Like, and I think Shane does a great job of this. He created a lot of controlled situations for Jalen hurts. Yeah. And like, let's face it. Like, I mean, as good as they've been the last two years, they don't play from behind a lot, you know, and Jalen's been able to come up big when they have, but how often are they in a spot where they're way behind in the second quarter? You know what I mean? Like they, they fell behind yesterday. Like you could tell how uncomfortable they are playing from behind. Right. So like how long, how much are you in long yardage? How much are you behind? Um, you know, if you're in second and six and up by seven, well, it's really, I mean, your whole playbook's open, you know, versus, like being in the situation you were in last night, which is like, you're trying to come back from behind. Um, it's just a, it's, it's a, the, the context of it's so different. Like it's, it sounds simple, but you know, like a lot of times what separates the, the good, the great quarterbacks from the good ones is third and long. And it takes, by the way, a lot of good quarterbacks a long time to get to the point where they're, they're great in those situations. Like, that's the other thing. Too. I mean, that's I'm, sort of like what we're getting at with Dak, right? Like how long did it, it took Dak a long, long time to get there. You know what I mean? Like uh, Mahomes is the outlier because he's always been great in those situations. Like Josh Allen's great, but like, I don't know if you all, he's more than capable of converting like third and 17, but it's not happening all the time. Right? Like, so that's something that quarterbacks sort of evolved to, too. The you could argue it was the game of the week in terms of just pure adrenaline and excitement. This game, oh, the, yeah. Ra- the Rams and the Ravens lasted for like hours, and I remember just you know I I would have it on um I would have it on whatever YouTube Direct TV whatever you want to call it, and I was I just kept looking over and be like my God this game's still going on what's happening here and then at some point you had to flip over and and check it out. To me this was a not a season defining win, but the 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 Ravens are just saying we can win in every conceivable way. Like yep. we're just a step better. Uh, now you could say that there are better offenses certainly um, than the Ravens, but I don't think that there's a better defense right now as they show. They're, they're probably, probably the, most no, well, the most well-rounded team in the league. Probably the mo- most well-rounded, right? And yep. there's not a better special teams unit in the NFL. Although we'll wait to see what the I mean, final special teams rankings is, say. I mean, it was a perfect John Harbaugh win in that <laughs> – it's like your backup punt returner who hasn't returned a punt in a game. Now he had in the preseason, but like he hasn't returned the, a punt in a real game since he was a true freshman at Oklahoma State in 2017. Wow! And Devin Duvernay gets hurt, and so much of this is like having someone ready to go. You know what I mean? Like that's, and I know that's not like that's not like a the the the, the, the kind of headline that's going to win you coach of the year, but. Like the fact that John Harbaugh had a backup punt returner ready to go like that, you know, and that Chris Horton, their special teams coach, had a backup punt returner ready to go. And like that to me is like the story of it is it's a team that can win a lot of different ways that was able to pull on a different lever in overtime and win that game that way. And it was it was by having depth in a place where a lot of teams probably don't like there are I'll bet you. I bet you at least a third of the league, if you put up a pat, backup punt returner back there, the special teams coach is instructing the guy, just fair catch it. Right. Or 
if it's even remotely over your head, just run away from it. You know yeah. what I mean? Like I would bet that there's a good chunk of teams in the league where their punt returner gets hurt in game and they are basically going to concede punt returns the rest of the game. And the Ravens did. And like that, that to me is the story of it. You know, you need what Mike Westoff used to say, the Jets legendary special teams coordinator. You need a guy who can catch a ball in a hurricane. And that's why he always put a uh, Jim Leonard. <laughs> it's like with that, that, that adds another layer to it though. Doesn't it? Like, it was, like a, get... it was like a legitimate monsoon out there. Yeah. Like I mean, they all like, like I saw the locker room scene was really cool. They had it up on the internet and everything else. And, um, you know, Harbaugh giving the game ball to, to Tylen Wallace. They all looked like wet dogs in there. I mean, it was like, you know what I mean? Like they all, they, they were all just drenched. So that, but that adds to it too, is like that you had developed a backup in that position that you trust to the point where you're willing to put him back there. You know what I mean? I, mean, I think it's impressive. You're right. And the depth on this team, like you said, is astounding because it's not just backup punt return. I mean, Isaiah likely scores a long touchdown in this game. Like you're oh, that's Mark Andrews backup. Yeah, you know. like, I mean, really, I mean, it's like it's almost like your third string tight end, really, right? right? And, right. and he's he's and it's, busting it's John, the game wide open for you. It's John Harbaugh standing up there at the press conference when Zach Ertz became available, and everybody's thinking, "Oh, well, here's their chance to go and get the replacement for Mark Andrews." And John Harbaugh's just, "No, I like what we've developed there," you know. And so, yeah, I mean, I think it's, um, yeah, like you said, like it's a good example of how they've just continue to develop guys there and um you know it's 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 zay flowers with his touchdown at the end you know to go ahead um in regulation and um you know hit like the ability to get him ready to go so fast and developing isaiah likely behind mark andrews and having the butt backup punt returner ready to go um it's a deep well-rounded team that can beat you in a lot of different ways and honestly like i think that's one of the things that we don't pay enough attention to as far as like how you win in the playoffs, because I do think like in the playoffs, you're going to run into teams that are going to be good enough to take away what you're good at. So who has the counterpunch? who has different ways to beat you? And the Ravens seem right now to be that sort of team. Speaking of, and we'll kind of lightning round our way through this now, um, Seahawks 49ers speaking of a team who can <laughs> counterpunch. I mean, the, the Debo Samuel stuff lately has been just silly. And, and what dude, I, McCaffrey, McCaffrey had like 146 yards. I like basically, I didn't even realize like, I was like, Oh, like how did that, like, he just like snuck up on me with 146 yards because everyone else is killing it too. You know? What was wild is, you know, Kyle Shanahan told the uh, Greg Olson and Kevin Burkhart were saying that he told him that he doesn't call plays to get guys specific touchdowns, which I think is is not true. Um, I think he absolutely does that. Um, he was trying to get Christian McCaffrey to extend the uh, the record streak earlier this year. Um and uh, this time when Debo Samuel got caught, I think at the one yard line, he did, he had McCaffrey in, he faked the ball to McCaffrey and then he end arounded it to uh, Debo Samuel to make sure he closed off the drive with a touchdown. I mean, this is where the 49ers are at this point. Like there are teams in the NFL that cannot score, cannot score. We had a zero, we almost had a zero, zero tie in the NFL. We had a Thursday night football game with a 30 point over under and <laughs> Kyle Shanahan is picking who gets to score points in his offense. There is just a have and a have not to all this. That is it's like back when you were in like dynasty mode in college football, when you, when you when you were like trying to run someone's Heisman campaign, you know? Oh man. I'm trying to, uh, 
he oh Joe Klopfenstein. So me, me and my roommate had a um um uh, dueling Madden dynasty, and so we would play it together. You know, both of you could play, and then we would always just inevitably meet each other in the Super Bowl. But his <laughs> right. his big thing was having Joe Klopfenstein be the leading receiver in the NFL, and so Joe Klopfenstein, I think. So yeah, he was a former second round pick out of Colorado. He played for he played for four years in the NFL, the Rams and the Bills. Um, and wow. He oh, he's a real the, guy. I thought for a second there, like you guys made him up. Like, really, like it's he, a real dude. He is the cousin of the lead singer of Real Big Fish. How about that? Oh wow, there you um, just, go. Just learned that on Wikipedia. Um, but yeah, that was his big thing, was always having like Joe Klopfenstein score, and he would run this like play action uh at the goal line he would stop at the one yard line and then he would run play action so that joe klopfenstein could score that's what the 49ers are doing they're just like they are messing with us you know they are they have the best roster in football and i don't know that it's even close i hate to say that if they i mean you know the super bowl is such a poor measure of like who the best team is like the super bowl is the most fortunate team and the mm -hmm. 49ers could make it there and then all of a sudden like Brock Purdy could trip and fumble backwards and all of a sudden they're down 11 points whatever it is you know but gosh i would just be i mean sometimes you have to reward excellence in team building and i would be disappointed if they didn't just roll through this thing they're the best team in the nfl they just are yeah. and it's by a fairly comfortable margin it feels like that and and What's really interesting about it to me is that it's they've been building for so long to this too. You know what I mean? Like, and this is a team that has been in three NFC title games, has been in a Super Bowl, like led deep into that Super Bowl, right? Like they probably should have won that game if Mahomes doesn't make the big third and fifteen, or was it third and fifteen or fourth and fifteen? Third and fifteen, right? Mm -hmm. Tyreek. Third and fifteen. Third and fifteen, right? So. Like they probably should have won that Super Bowl. And and I think like it would be highly disappointing if this group of players did not win one. And so that's but that's an interesting element to it to it too, isn't it? Like there's a, like a lot of pressure on these guys now. Like, like it so, would it would suck if they went down as like the ninety eight Vikings. What was it? The ninety eight Vikings? Well, but it wouldn't even be the ninety eight. The ninety eight Vikings were great, but that was like a one that one was off. sort of like yeah. I mean, like they were really good. They made it back to the NFC title game, I think, was it the next year and got just obliterated by the Giants two years yes. later? Yeah. And got obliterated by the Giants. But so they've been, they, they, but they weren't consistently at this level. This would be, I mean, this would be like almost like the 90s Bills, I feel like. When we look back at like the, and I like, I, but you think about like the Bills because of all those, all the Hall of Famers, right? Like, so Jim Kelly, Thurman Thomas, Andre Reid, Bruce Smith. Like just a loaded roster. It's a shame that those guys never got a ring. I think we could wind up if they weren't going to win. And obviously, they don't have a Jim Kelly at quarterback. But if they if they didn't win one, I think we would probably look back at this team the same way. Even though they don't have like the historical marker that the Bills had of making it four straight times. All right, let's uh, let's zoom through the rest of these. So um, I would encourage everybody to read Albert on Zach Wilson and Robert Sala. Um, I think that. F it, right? That was their uh, <laughs> that was their thing. Um, my devil's advocate takeaway here is that th Zach Wilson did this against the Titans his rookie year. He did this against the Chiefs earlier this year. And I think when Zach Wilson plays, 
I think when Zach Wilson plays a game the way that Zach Wilson likes to play a game and he succeeds, I think he's a really good player. I think that Zach Wilson playing the way that he likes to play is not sustainable. And I think that that, yeah. <laughs> that, that pass where he evaded, um, uh, uh, Greenard, uh, from the Texans yeah. and then bombed it down to, uh, uh, Garrett Wilson, Garrett Wilson yeah. I think is probably third picked off. I think, right. Yeah. It was like a third and 15. I think that's probably picked off eight out of nine times there was three defenders down there um mm -hmm. but that play gives him the confidence that charges the batteries and all of a sudden all the on schedule throws start working and it's like wow amazing um yeah. and i think he needs that but i don't think he can get that all the time and so i think yeah. this is one of those i i i'm i i want i want the kid to be awesome because i think he can be but he needs to be able to do what he did um you wrote about too the the um the third down to conklin where yep. it's off on schedule. He gets rid of it after three steps and he hits the guy on a turnaround. That's what he needs to do on a down to down basis that almost every other quarterback can do with regularity. And that was like the knock on him coming out too, was like that he would like, I remember like the people who didn't like him as much would say, well, yeah, he made this spectacular throw, but look at like a, B and C are all wide open underneath. Why didn't he just throw it to them? You know what I mean? Like he wasn't going where the offense was taking him. And so, like, that's been a hard thing for him balancing the balancing, you know, what he's supposed to do with what he's really good at and when to do what he's supposed to versus when to do what he's really good at. But I, I think the interesting thing about this, just talking to those guys, was how, like, this kid who, like, you wouldn't think anybody would rally around anymore, like, he was able to get support, you know, in the locker room this week and from the coaching staff this week. That just, I mean, I'm, it's just something you sort of take note of like when I don't know, like I, I would have definitely thought that they would have, a lot of the players would have given up on him. And for one reason or another, Garrett Wilson, bunch of the others didn't. So there you have it. And I, I the other, the other interesting addendum to all this too, is um, I didn't sense talking to those guys last night that they are overly optimistic about, Aaron Rodgers coming back, even if they are still in the race. So take that for what it is. Take that for what it is. But I mean, Garrett Wilson basically flat out said to me, I haven't really thought about that as far as this year is concerned. Mm. So basically saying like the only context on which I'm thinking about a Rodgers return really is 2024. RIP to Connor's take that he should play no matter what, get him out there on that AC or that, uh, that torn Achilles. I don't care. I need to see him in 2023. Finding the right news podcast can feel like dating. It seems promising until you start listening. When you hit play on Post Reports, you'll get fascinating conversations and sometimes a little fun, too. I'm Martine Powers. And I'm Elahe Azadi. Martine and I are the hosts of Post Reports. The show comes out every weekday from The Washington Post. You can follow and listen to Post Reports wherever you get your podcasts. It'll be a match, I promise. This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. <sighs> is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my. Look at that. He is. And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. What's up? I'm John Wall. And I'm CJ Toledano, and we're starting a new podcast presented by DraftKings called Point Game. 
We're now joined by three-time NBA Sixth Man of the Year, elite bucket getter. Let's please welcome Jamal Crawford to Point Game. King of the Court one-on-one tournament. If they had it back in your prime, do you think you could have took it all? I'm going to be honest with you. I don't think I could have took it all, but I think I would have shocked a lot of people. I think Kobe and everybody in their prime, Kobe would win a one-on-one contest. Yeah, I, yeah, because you got to think, Love he's going to guard. He don't care about guarding. He's going to guard. He's going to exactly. guard. Like, you see him in the Olympics, he's going to guard. And then on I'm top of that. like that, see that? Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Sam Cassell to Point Game. I remember you came out from crying tears. <laughs> crying tears. I mean, he was in a culture shock. And then I, his, he's going to withdraw us about winning. Remember what I told you? I said, I said, OG, you think I can get paid and go back and play in college because he didn't need it. <laughs> Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. Saints-Panthers, just the worst. Probably the worst <laughs> NFL game of well, all no, time. Well, no, 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 no. There is something notable here. Congratulations to Mickey Loomis, who uh, this surprised me now. He got to 200 wins as a general manager 16 games faster than Ozzie Newsome. So that's something I do think we should recognize. That's pretty impressive. All the while, uh, Derek Carr and the center almost took each other's heads off and said everything was cool afterwards. Um, I saw I, somebody, I don't know if it was on social media or what, but somebody somebody said, to, I think it was, you know what it was? It was this guy, Darth Saint, who owned a restaurant I used to go to in New Orleans when I was down there. It was a great restaurant. I can't remember the name of it, but um, yeah, he like dresses up like Darth Vader. And so like it's one of these guys in the early days of Twitter, you get to know certain fans. He was one of those for me. And uh, he tweeted something along the lines of like, oh, yeah, like all these NFC South teams are just three and 14 teams in disguise. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) it's true. Like, and they're just propping each other up by beating each other. (laughs) It's it's wild. Um, I I don't know. I mean, sometimes you just wish you could just annex a division. But I will say this about Carr. I feel like there's been some, you know, I feel like that stuff's been baking. And um, JT O'Sullivan, who runs a great YouTube channel breaking down QB stuff, he showed a pick six of cars a few weeks ago where Carr just throws it and then just starts walking off the field. <laughs> and the rest of his teammates are trying to tackle the guy, you know, and, and I don't know if he walked off the field, but he definitely walked out of the play. And he's like, you don't think people see this when they're yeah. watching film? So- and, you know, Carr threw another pick six, I think it was two weeks ago, and I watched the press conference, and he starts off the press conference by saying, we made a lot of mistakes today. Everybody made a lot of mistakes today. What does every other quarterback say? I can't throw that well, pick it's six. The whole, yeah, know? it's the whole, if if we lose, it's me. If we win, it's we, right? Right. That's the way every quarterback's supposed to operate. And I, I heard some of these stories at the Raiders last year. Like, there was a story from last year where, it was like, I, I don't know, fourth and one or a third and one or something like that. And they had called like a quarterback sneak, right? And the A-gap was wide open and Carr checked to a run play and the run play got buried for a two-yard loss. And um, I don't know, like they, there were a lot of, I think, people in that building after that that questioned, did Carr just not want to take the hit? Yeah. And... Like that was part of what wound up leading to him being benched there was like he wasn't taking enough chances. Was he worried about his stats? He wasn't like there are situations like this. Is he worried about getting hit? This stuff has sort of followed Derek Carr over the course of his career, and and it isn't new. Yeah. Um, (laughs) Browns Jaguars 31-27. At this point, 
the a Brown Super Bowl run with Joe Flacco is the only thing that I <laughs> care about. Uh, it is my life's passion. I will. I'm saying this on the podcast. If the if the Browns make the Super Bowl with Joe Flacco, um, or if they run through the playoffs with Joe Flacco, and somewhere in between there, they agree to eat all the dead cap and release Deshaun Watson and extend Joe Flacco through the life of Deshaun Watson's contract, I will become a Browns fan again. How about that? I mean the the just the image of Joe Flacco in uh, unfamiliar jersey number at 38 years old slinging it slinging it it's just by the I mean, way like, i mean and it looks like the throw he made to david bell where he's like moving right and then goes against his body and throws it left and like bell seems shocked that he got the ball and then all of a sudden no one's there and he runs for a touchdown you know um i, I think like honestly i do want to say this that's a damn good Browns team. They've won with four different quarterbacks. They're eight and five. They've won with four different quarterbacks. They've won with Watson. They've won with Walker. They've won with Thompson Robinson. And now they've won with Flacco. And so <clears throat> I think like we do have to give the other players on that roster credit. Sure. Yes. And it's guys who've been there for a long time, like guys like Miles Garrett, Denzel Ward, Joel Batonio, uh, you know, like there are guys that were that have been part of like that build for a long time. And um, I think like it's it's a really good team, which is like in a way it justifies the big swing on Deshaun Watson in a weird way. You know what I mean? Because they were this proves they were that close. You know what I mean? Like because if they're getting the sort of quarterback play that Houston got out of Watson in 19 and 20. Is this not the best team in the AFC? I mean, I just would have gone with Flacco all along. And and you're saying <laughs> you're saying okay, you're saying okay, Connor, that's hindsight. That's hindsight. No, it's not because you heard it here first. You know who broke the news that Joe Flacco was going to be a successful quarterback into his 40s? Me. I wrote this last year at training camp. I was on the ground in uh. Florham Park watching this guy roll out and throw ropes and watching guys come up to him afterwards and be like, damn, Joe, that's crazy. Like, how did you throw that? And I remember talking to people close to Joe and they're saying, listen, you can laugh at Joe all you want. He wants to play into his 40s. He wants Dude. to play that long. He can do it. Dude, the final Thursday, the final, the final Thursday night game of the year. It's not Joe Flacco against the Ravens, is it? Joe Flacco revenge game. Let's go, no, Joe Flacco Let's against go! Jack. Joe Flacco, not the Ravens. Joe Flacco against the Jets team that didn't call him when they had a quarterback. Oh, issue. even better. Joe Flacco against the Jets. Browns, here's your chance. Because wouldn't he have been perfect for the Jets? Yes. I mean, the, the, are the Jets a playoff team? I, I'm not. I'm dead serious. Jets aren't like, a playoff team. If, the Jets are like a 12 win team with Joe Flacco. The Jets are the Jets like are the Jets winning the AFC East right now. If like if like the the week that Aaron Rodgers blows his Achilles out, they're on the phone with Joe Flacco, and he lives in Audubon. He lives like right there. They could have gone and picked him up. They could have thrown him at NJ Transit, dude. Dude, December 28th, 8:15. Take the train to Convent Station. He would have been there in an hour and 45 minutes. The Jets head to Cleveland to play Woo. Joe Flacco and the Browns. This is it. Browns, I if feel you want me back, now. if you want me back. 
I'm, I'm know telling you, you have Connor, Connor, that seeing that on the schedule, I'm on three hours sleep right now and I feel alive. But let me just ask you this. What if they won the Super Bowl <laughs> with Joe Flacco? Like, what if they did it? What if Flacco went into Arrowhead? What if Joe Flacco what if, what went if, into, what if, what if buried Flacco the Chiefs in Arrowhead? That might be a first round matchup. What if he's because the Browns they, are the Browns aren't going to win the North, right? So the Browns the Browns finished the Browns like probably would be God that would be great because the Chiefs right now would be like the three seed, right? The Browns could be the six seed pretty easily. He would he would Nick Foles this harder than Nick Foles oh. could have ever Nick Foles it. God, like, that'd be great. Could, could you could you start Deshaun Watson week one, 2024, <laughs> if Joe Flacco wins the Super Bowl? Tell me that you're Kevin Stefanski and you're looking at everybody in the face and saying, Joe Flacco's not our guy. You can't do it. Flacco it sounds seconds. like it's it's it sounds like you're back on the Browns bandwagon if, after like three months away. If like you it, it took three months. Three months for you to climb back on board. They have to, they have to, well, they've already, they've done step one. They've installed officially Joe Flacco's the starter for the rest of the season. They've done that. Okay. Step two is, uh, taking the cap pit and getting rid of Deshaun Watson. Step three is winning the Super Bowl. Step four is giving Watson a five year, $230 million fully guaranteed contract. Giving Flacco, you mean, not Flacco. Watson. Yeah. yeah. Flacco. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's all they have to do. And I'm back. So that would take Flacco to like age 43. <laughs> <laughs> oh, but the, and I then, do, I, I mean, and this then, is the dumbest, you know, this is the dumbest thing. You want to know how, like, how, 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 <clears throat> how stupid I am, like how like ridiculous my head works is like what's in my head right now. It's Joe Flacco riding like a Cadillac convertible down like the town. Totally yeah, expressionless. A ticker, a ticker tape parade. Totally expressionless. <laughs> like, like he's got a headache. It just looks like he's got a headache. And here's the other. Here's the last thing that I'll leave you with, Albert. The first championship in Cleveland since Jim Brown was the running back, and it's won <laughs> by Joe Flacco. I'm back. <sighs> I'm back if they. I'm back if they fulfill all of those requirements. Um. The, the only other thing, Albert, I'll leave you with that is that that's Joe Flacco's second Super Bowl. He's going to the Hall of Fame. Poor get poor 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 Jake Brown and getting kicked to the curb by uh by Connor. I know. Um all right. Speaking of which, 34-14, the Bengals have now won two straight with mm-hmm. Jake Browning. Uh Jake Browning knocked me out of my fantasy football playoffs. Uh thanks for that. Um but uh yeah, I mean, as of this moment, the entire AFC North is in the playoffs, which is pretty wild. Uh pretty neat thing. And uh yeah, I mean, this is going to be a rumble till the end. Good for Zach yep. Taylor. He's yeah. making it happen. It's a talented roster, you know? Like, it's just, it's a good roster, and um, I think there's a good culture there. I I love hearing the stories about Burrow, too. Like, um, like, Jake Browning told me last night, he was, like, he was surprised that Burrow made the trip to Jacksonville. And he made the trip to Jacksonville because he thought he could help Browning, you know? And so, it's just, like, little things like that, like, where you... It feels like what's happening like in Cincinnati right now, it's really sustainable the way that thing's built. And I think seeing Jake Brown and going in there and winning with that team is proof of it in that it's more than just the quarterback. Like Joe is great. And I would take I would take Joe Burrow over 
any other quarterback in the NFL outside of maybe Mahomes, right? Or like, Joe it's Flacco. Th- it's those two and Flacco, those three. Yeah. But um, I like I, but but yeah, I think you see the strength of the program now and in, in, in the way that they're playing without him and the fact that they had Jake Browning ready to go. Yeah. Lines and really paired. cool, really cool, really cool piece of roster building too. The only reason he's on that team is because in 2021, the Bengals had an open spot for a practice squad quarterback and were playing the Vikings that week. So the Vikings had cut him. So they bring him in to get a little, little intel on the opponent. And wow, things take off from there. The doors open. They develop him. They stick with them. And obviously the rest is history. It's amazing. Um, Lions, Bears, uh, Matty Refluse fighting for his job. I think, you know, at this point, I don't Justin know. Justin Fields, too. Justin Fields, too. And all of a sudden, making it pretty interesting. And Fields is making all the throws. I think that the um, Eberflus specifically, I mean, the last time they played the Lions, they got the three turnovers. They almost won that game, and they broke mm-hmm. down at the in the final four minutes. I do think he has a beat on Detroit, and I do think it shows how smart of a defensive coordinator he is. If he yeah. can get them close to 500, I say he keeps it because um, – I feel like there's going to be a Ben Johnson sweepstakes. I think there's going to be a Dan Quinn sweepstakes. And I think beyond that, a lot of guys are like, I don't know. I mean, yeah, I mean, I think that that's part of, that's got to be part of the equation. If you're one of these teams on the fence, right. It's like, what are we, what are we getting rid of our coach for? And I think yeah. in, in, in those cases, it can be, you can easily get yourself to like, you know what? Like this is actually moving in the right direction. Like, it, I think it is. And I, I mean, and I do think like, and I, look, their defense has played well. I think they've got an identity on offense now. And, um, you know, to me, the big question is, like, if your ownership, you know, or Kevin Warren is going to have a big piece of this decision, it's like, are these the people that we want executing the 2024 draft? Because that is setting up to be a monumental, a monumental draft for them, because they're probably going to have, well, maybe they won't have two top 10 picks, but it looks like they're going to have the first overall pick, they'll have multiple first round picks. Like, this is a chance to take what I think is like becoming a good young core with fields. If he's around Darnell, Wright, DJ Moore, Montez sweat, Terrell Edmonds, you know, or Tremaine Edmonds, like a good young core of players. Like now you have a chance to really supercharge it. If you can hit on some draft picks um, with all the capital that you got last, but not least. Well, no last and least uh, the Buccaneers and the Falcons game for the division that no one seemed to, to really want to win, but Baker Mayfield is feeling dangerous again. And I guess the, like, I guess the Buccaneers are going to make the playoffs. I, I don't know. I mean, I, yeah, I mean, they're so all three of those teams are six and seven right now. Right. Yeah. So it's like, this is like the, uh, this is the, 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 this is like the competition to who could be the sacrifice to the NFC East runner up, I think. Right. Yes. So whoever doesn't win the NFC East is going to have to travel to Atlanta, New Orleans or, um, or Tampa in the first round of the playoffs. And uh, that one could be kind of ugly. Oh, I, I feel good. I predicted the winner of this division at eight. That'll be nine. like the, uh, well, no, see, I, I, I was going to say that'd be the, the Saturday four o'clock game like this, but the fact that it would involve the Eagles or Cowboys, probably, probably not. Whoever wins this, whoever plays. Whoever Saturday this... four o'clock's the bad time slot. Yeah. It's the slime game. You get mm-hmm. slimed. Yeah, and I want to see Baker Mayfield covered in slime. They better not put Joe Flacco on that spot. That'd be awfully disrespectful. No, future Hall of Famer Joe Flacco. Um, 
Thank you very much, Albert, for coming. This is always uh, the the best part of my Monday and uh, the best part of our week getting to spend it with you guys. So thank you very much for listening. Leave us a rating and review. The Matt and Gilberto Show is on Thursday. Also, let us know what you think about that. And we will see you guys next week. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cb for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. Zumo Play is your destination for endless entertainment. With a diverse lineup of 350-plus live channels, movies, and full TV series, you'll easily find something to watch right away. And the best part? It's all free. Love music? Get lost in the 90s with iHeart 90s. Dance away with hip-hop beats and more on the iHeart Radio music channels. No logins, no signups, no accounts, no hassle. So what are you waiting for? Start streaming at play.xumo.com or download from the app and Google Play stores today. All you can stream with Zumo Play.